Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. You ready? Got it. No questions. I'm good. I'm ready to go. All right. Let me do the intro. Welcome back to Chai with Ping. My name is Ping Robert, and thank you so much for tuning in my show. If you're a newcomer, new listener, thank you for being here. It's definitely gonna be a great. Well, I personally think it's gonna be a great show. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for being here with us. And、uh, your support, your listening, is always a great motivation for me to do this work. Today, before we start with our topic、uh, with African descent musician,、uh, we're gonna talk about how you can support this channel a little bit. So you can hit that subscribe button and follow us. On whatever app that you listen to your podcast from, and that will give you the notification whenever we have a new release. Usually, it's every every other Monday, so biweekly we'll release it in the U.S. time, which is in the morning, and then in Asian time is in the evening. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. So I would love, love, love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or any encouragement that you wanna write, you can write on Apple Podcasts or just hit that five star button on Spotify. All right, enough of though that today we have a returning guest. He's gonna talk about how he became a musician and then just involved with multilingual, multicultural component, and he was formerly known as Mel. And is a Afro reggaeton and、um, R and B artist based in Toronto, and he was born in Cameroon and raised in other six countries. So if you haven't already, I put the notes in the episode notes about his first episode. So feel free to listen to his first story. And then his music embodies the life experience of the third culture kid. Let's welcome Mark Amelo. Hey Ping, thanks for having me again.、I'm、so、Yay. excited to be back. I know. I love your stories. Last time, I really had fun with you. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I had a, I, I had so much fun, and like it was, it was really natural. The time went by so quickly. So、really、I know.、Happy. I think you're a natural storyteller, and you're just full of stories in your life. Yeah, I'd say like I'm lucky enough to live an interesting life so far. Yeah. Hopefully,、don't, more stories to come. Yeah, like as you move six countries, don't you feel any stress or like? Fear of getting to a new place. Um, it started to become the type of thing that I just like. I actually started looking forward to, and、mm. I feel like it probably affects me in daily life as well because, like, I always want to meet new people, like,、mm. try new adventures, and like see different things. And sometimes it's hard to be content being in the same place for too long. Oh, okay. So how long is that spend for for you to like? You want to get moving and to see some new places. It used to be like every four years. <laughs> oh, okay. Every four years, but yeah, 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 recently, yeah. Recently in Toronto, I've been a lot more settled down. Okay, okay.、Yeah. Do you, Do you foresee yourself moving to another place soon? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Where I mean, would that not, be? <laughs> probably in Europe for a bit.、Mm. Like, there's a lot of cities in Europe that interest me, so I,、yeah. I really want to live there for a longer extended period. Yeah. Maybe you should move to all five different continents, right? You already conquered Africa, and then now you're in North America, and then you were in Europe, in in Spain for some time,、yeah. you know, Asia, Australia. Yeah, I definitely want to go to Asia, Latin America,、yeah. like Brazil.、Yes. Brazil is definitely on the cards at some point. 
Yeah, especially their music is like such a unique、uh, tune and beat and all that. So it's like、yeah. it will be so fun to see how you do music in different places of the world. Honestly, I would just soak up the experience and like let it seep into the music. It'd be great.、Yeah. <laughs> oh well, hopefully this episode can kind of reach out to some of the listeners if they're also in the music industry. They can hook you up, right? Like maybe welcome you to their countries and all. Oh, of course. And even if I don't, I'll jump into it like blindly. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll experience. I'm down to experience the culture. Yeah. Do you think that you're a brave, courageous person? Because like you can jump blindly to a new place, huh? Yeah, I would say like there's a part of me that's definitely like a more shy person, but then that、yeah. person disappears in like five seconds of getting used to a place. <laughs> so like once I get comfortable, then I'm all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's go here, let's go there, let's go everywhere. I'm not really too worried about anything. Wait, being a third culture kid. Okay, the listeners might not know what third culture kid is. How do you define you as a third culture kid? So typically, I'd say a third culture kid is someone who has grown up in multiple cities or countries, and generally struggles to find a specific place that they would call home because they've just been used to like living everywhere and being exposed to different cultures. And、um, naturally, those people don't have like. One specific culture that they identify with, because like they're where they're from, where their family's from, where they lived, it starts to seep seep into like what their identity is, and start to form a third identity that is just other from what is typical to a usual human being. I guess that's right. Yeah, and also some people might identify as a third culture kid or TCK if they go to an international school, so which is a different system in that. Hosting country, or they grew up in a culture which are different from their parents.、Yeah. Um, for example, yeah. So, for example, some kids were born in Taiwan. Like, for example, my friends. Some some of them they born in Taiwan, but they grew up in the U.S. But their parents are from Taiwan. So then, that's also a little cross cultural bit of that thing.、Um, some people call them cross cultural kids. Some people call them third culture kids. So、um, I will put some of the episodes in my on my channel to about third culture. Kids in the episode note. If you're interested, you can definitely listen to it. All right, Mark. So we talk about your background, moving around and growing up in a more of a French and English medium educational system, right? And、yeah. what are some of the important identities for you? I would say that I always see myself as like first and foremost Cameroonian. I was I was really lucky the fact that like. All of most of my family are from the same place. My parents from the from from the same place, and they always reinforced the identity of where we were from and being Cameroonian as a thing. So I never really struggled with thinking like, oh, what country am I from? Like, what is my home nation? Because at the root of it, I always remember that first and foremost, I'm Cameroonian. And then beyond that, I would say multilingual.、Um, the French really speaking French as a kid always was an advantage to me、um, in terms of. Whether it's communicating with people at school, outside of school,、um, navigating, getting like jobs and stuff,、um, even applying to schools, it was always an advantage that I could speak another language on top of English, right? So I always, always kept that close to me, and also being a Catholic was also as a kid really shaped the type of person that I am.、Um, particularly going to a Jesuit school and being exposed to the idea of being a missionary, a man for others. That's like meant to be serving other people, 
even even when you're chasing your own goals, remember that first and foremost, like until you live to serve others as well. Do you perceive yourself as an immigrant in Toronto? Oh, 100%. Actually, in Toronto, I'd say I don't feel so much as an immigrant because okay. it's just a city full of immigrants. So there's mm. no really, I don't feel any anyone really feels like they're in, I guess, Canada per se when you're in Toronto because like you're exposed to so many different cultures and, you know, your weekends, you can go out to a, a club that's like straight African club. And I, I, I feel like I'm back home. It's like I didn't miss a beat, honestly. And um, yeah, I'd say in Toronto, I don't feel other. I would say when I was in the US, I felt like an immigrant. Um, in Europe, I felt probably felt like an immigrant for sure because there's not many people who look like me. That is so But, interesting because, like, I thought about Toronto. I've been there and I, I've seen a lot. Yeah, yeah, just like you said, you can always find a community that that you belong. And there are like so many Asians, Indians, South Asians, and all that. And yeah, there were Black people. Um, so, but like in the U.S., you felt like more of an immigrant. Was it because you couldn't find your group? Um, I would say it's more so, I feel like there was, especially because I was in high school at the mm. time, it's um, a feeling of being different necessarily because like most of the people I went to high school with either grew up in the U.S. or had gone to um, American schools their entire life. American culture was like all they knew. They knew very little about like even Canada, you know, <laughs> or that a country that's right beside them. So it was always a thing of like I had to explain to people what certain things meant. Or the fact that, you know, we don't live in teepees in Africa. We don't, we don't live in igloos in Canada. So things like that. So that was the only place where I really felt like an immigrant. Also because the accent in D.C. was so strong when I first moved there. So maybe for like the first two months, I people were speaking. It felt like 100 miles an hour. And I was always like hearing the sentence maybe like a minute later. Like, oh, that's what you meant. Because right now, I wouldn't think that you have a much different accent. But then it's like in D.C., their accent is making it difficult for you to understand. Oh, yeah. Also, it took a while to adjust. But yeah. when I first had moved from Toronto, like the D.C. accent sounded like a completely different language <laughs> than English for like the first month and a half. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, one yeah. Is, no one is speaking English right now. <laughs> was there an example? Because I'm not sure if I know a lot of differences in the West Coast. Is it like car? So when we say car and then they say car, I would say it's more saying sentences really fast, like, oh, like okay. really, really fast. That so much so that the words just like blend into each other. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And especially that like you're going there for school. Are you, so were your classmates or schoolmates usually American? Um, so my school was like half boarding school and half mm -hmm. like day students. So there was, there was actually a lot of immigrants like me that were from like Switzerland, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia. But like, I'd say we made up like 20% of the school. And the other like people who had been immigrants were like probably second generation and had grown up in D.C. or the DMV area. So they, they grew up in American culture. It wasn't that different to us. So it was like, I'd say a small group of us probably. 15 to 20% of the school that were immigrants and the rest were like straight up Americans. One last question before we jump into the music part is like, yeah. what kind of school did you go before high school? Was it an international school, British school or? Um, it was just like a, a local. Um, so the, the, the Catholic school system in Canada is actually public schools. Mm -hmm. So I went to a public Catholic school in Toronto before that. Oh, I didn't know that Catholic school can be public schools. In, in Canada, yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. 
we're gonna shift a little bit to the music making industry, right? Your experience. How did you start making music? So I'd say the first, like the very first introduction, was when I was like six years old. My brothers were were producers, and they were working with this artist in Kenya named Black Kent, and he was actually the first person I ever seen like mix languages and try like putting English and French together. So from like very early, that was already in my head as something that was possible to do, even though it wasn't necessarily like I guess celebrated globally, but it was pops possible to do. And also see people like Christina Aguilera. And、um, who was it? Mainly her making songs in Spanish and English as well. So like from an early age, I saw that that's some, that was something that was very possible, right?、Um, and then they would let me record from time to time on their tracks. When I was like six years old, I would say like really dumb rhymes, but they literally record it, and they would get really hype whenever I would record. They'll play it like on the radio station in in, in Cameroon sometimes. So it was just like it was a it was an early like exposure to. What music can be like from a just like, ex like expressing creativity standpoint when I was really really young. Yeah. So, did you have any connection to the radio or like who were the people recorded for you? So, like I said,、um, my brothers were producers. The artist they were working with actually is now like one of the heads in Warner in Africa. Got it. And my and I had cousins in in my village in Cameroon that would that ran the radio station. So like on times when like maybe late at night when no one else was listening, they would just like run our music just for fun,、uh, just to you know. It was just yeah, one of those yeah, things. Yeah. Everyone's like, ah, that's you. <laughs> when nobody was listening, like everyone was sleeping, they they put well, your music nobody on. Nobody was listening, but like at times when they had they got the, they got the chance to just play whatever they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, they would, yeah. They would do that. That is so cool. And then at that time, what kind of style music style did you did you do? Oh, I wouldn't even consider it a style. But I was listening <laughs> to a lot of like. I was copying Eminem at the time, oh, <laughs> so I was just so like making a lot of really. It was yeah, rap. I was、yeah. rapping, but like it was really, it was really gimmicky and what you'd expect a six-year-old to rap about. <laughs> I don't know, milk and candy. <laughs> it was, it was just really stupid things. I, oh I wow! Even, <laughs> but I had fun doing it, and it exposed me to like the structure of like formulating a verse or something like、mm. that. You know, from a really early age. Yeah, and then from what you shared is just it, it runs in the family because be, because of brother and cousin they have that experience so they kind of let you in a little and then you get that exposure very early on. Yeah, and then I also had a cousin later on when I was around ten or eleven、mm. who had taught himself how to sing by listening to like. Popular compilation albums like Westlife albums and Backstreet Boy albums. Oh yeah! And whenever I would visit in the summer, I would stay with him for a long time. Yeah. So he would play. He was there's this one compilation album of Westlife, and I would hear、mm -hmm. it over and over again to the point that I started trying to sing all the songs, singing along, like matching the key of how the people were singing.、And、that was really the first way I learned how to sing properly. Right. It was that, and then like Alicia Keys albums and stuff like that. So being exposed to that from my cousins. Just taught me like, oh, there's so many different genres of music, and all of them have like fundamentally interesting and good songs. That if I study long enough, I can replicate how the person is singing it. So you already mentioned Christina Aguilera,、uh, Alicia Keys, Eminem's, and and like these are the artists that inspire you. Did you have like a role model that who you would like to be? And and how do you make that connection? Is it because their music style or their songs, their、um, ethnicity or language? 
So when I was really young, there was two artists in particular. One was Tupac, who had already passed away by the time I was a kid, right? And um, for me, it was because there was a lot of poetry and messaging in his music that always connected to me. Like, I'll listen to his song, Changes. I'll run it back over and over and over and over again, just listening to every single verse. And I was like, wow, this guy literally just told a massive story through like three minutes. And I, I feel like I connect to it every single time I hear it. Um, and then there was an artist from um, Ivory Coast. His name was Duke Saga. He also passed away when I was pretty young. And um, he made this, he made Coupe de Calais music, which was like my favorite genre as a kid, probably till I was like maybe 12, 13. I would listen to Coupe de Calais and like Ivorian music, probably 75% of the time I listen to music. And it definitely still, you can still hear it even in my music today. Like that's where the Afro beats side of me has come from, to be honest. That's where it derived from. It's, I've never heard them. Oh, it, it's a it's a whole new world. <laughs> it's honestly. gonna blow my mind. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah. And then and then I would say later on, mm. um, moving to Toronto, Drake obviously became a massive oh, yeah. influence on me. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that we probably have in common the most is the exploration of like different sounds and genres mm. and, and cultures. Yeah, and that seeping into the type of music we make. So I'd say he was a massive influence on me as well. And then, so, you know, you, you went on to elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. Yeah. And then you didn't study music for no. your major. But then how did you choose that path? Um, so at the time, in high school, I'd write for people. And people were always like, oh, you're pretty good at this. Like, you should probably, like, take more time on it. And I was like, ah, whatever. Um, <laughs> at the time, I was more focused on sports. So it wasn't something I was thinking about. And um, when I went to university, I'm, I ran to a group of friends who also like when, whenever they had fun, like they'll just make music on the side. We just have fun with it. And funnily enough, like in those circles, there was A&Rs of p- different artists, um, people who were producing for like major artists at the time. But like I just had no idea. They were just people I went to school with. I didn't pay attention to it. But when they would listen to like the type of demos I would make just for fun, they'd be like, yo, this is actually pretty good. Like, honestly, I'm not just saying that because like you should probably try and, and pursue this a little more. Um, and it wasn't until I really just put my foot out there and just like released a song and got the feedback and return from it. that I was like, oh, there's something I'm really good at. When was the first time that you first released your uh, music or album? So there was two times when I was in high school, it was like a joke song, me and my friends. There's a studio at my high school. So we used to like pop in and record or help people record. Mm-hmm. And one day I just decided, you know what? Okay, I'm going to lay a hook and a verse and we're going to release a song. Yeah. And it was called Pink Dress. It's an awful song. <laughs> I would never <laughs> recommend anyone to listen to it. Is it still on YouTube or, or I think it's on apps? SoundCloud somewhere, but it would be very okay. hard for anyone to find it. <laughs> pink dress Glad, thankfully so <laughs> honestly it'd be so hard for anyone to find it but okay it was just something that like i felt like oh even though this isn't the greatest song like the elements of it are there you know like you can clearly tell that these are people who like if they worked hard on it would have a talent for this mm-hmm. but i put that aside didn't even think about it yeah um and then in 2018 mm-hmm. uh, my roommate at the time had a stu- had a studio in our house so like whenever I'd come back from work, I would just like literally for like in like three hours, I'd make like a little EP, four songs, four songs every single day of the week for like maybe three, four months until there was a song in there that I'd always play for people. And they're like, always like, yo, this is a really good song. 
So that ended up being the first song I released. It was called Back Up. And um, I got an engineer here in Toronto. His name is Five Piece. He mixed it. And I'll just like put it out there, see whatever happens. And luckily enough, when I put it out, one of my main producers now, uh, my friend Moaz, his photographer at the time saw the song and was like, yo, oh, you two should work together. And from there, like literally the next week we met up and worked. We've been working on music ever since that day, to be honest. Nonstop. So cool. And that yeah. photographer is also still does photography for me, but yeah. it's photography for like major artists here in Toronto as wow. well. And so when you met these people and then start making music more seriously, were you in college or after college? I had just finished college and I had just come back from Spain, actually. Oh, um, I was still okay. working with my startup company. Yeah. Still doing that. But um, I just had it was just something I did when I had the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you study in college? Uh, international relations and statistics. Okay, and then you later work at a tech company? Um, while I was in university, we, yeah. me and my friends started a company okay. that is still going as well. And so that's very different from music making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how, how did you have the, like, did you think about that? Because like, I, I think a lot of people might be scared because like music, in the beginning, musicians might not make a lot of, revenue and then you also work in in the startup company before so you could see that business world and all that and so how did you have the courage to make that transition to leave your majors and your work experience and jump into music industry i think the thing was just to do both <laughs> For the, oh that okay the, that was the solution <laughs> and then to see at what point i could establish myself to a degree that like people in the music industry would take me seriously and it wouldn't yeah. be like something that's seen as a risk anymore because yeah. the feedback was there, the support was there. So it was just one of those things where like, I've always been the type of person, like whenever I do something, I try to do it at the highest level. So like when I was a kid, I was playing soccer, I was playing in the national league. When I was doing the tech company, like we went internationally. So it was one of those things that when I committed, to, when I'm committed to something, like I really obsess about it. And my engineer is here behind me. He will tell you like, I, I could listen to a song 3,000 times in a row and never get tired of it but just because like I just love music that much and I just listen to music nonstop. That's just something that like, it's not a chore for me to listen to any song. Even if it's a bad song, I'll listen to it. Um, and like, even if any person reaches out to me and tells me, yo, listen to this song of mine, I'll listen to it because like, it doesn't take more than two to three minutes to listen to a song. And I'm never, and, and to me, that's not that much time to like dedicate to giving someone your ear or something like that, you know? So I've always been the type of person I'm obsessed with music. I'm obsessed with what I do. And I just, I just go for it. <laughs> I can definitely not listen to a song for 3000 times, maybe twice a day. <laughs> it's like, I cannot hit a song on repeat. I always need that variety in, in a combination form. So I love radio because they keep playing different things. But wait, yeah. so you were saying that you have obsession of music, which is like, it's great for um, music uh, musicians like you. But then when you hear something not so great, like, do you give them the honest feedback or you kind of just like appreciate what they did? Sometimes it depends on the relationship, but I'll always be, if I'm giving feedback, it'll be constructive. So it won't be like, oh, this sucks. This is terrible. It'll be like, oh, maybe if you change this, I think it would be interesting. Or if you tried this type of production that might fit you more or, you know, things like that, because 
I never want to be the person to just be like, yo, this is terrible. This sucks. Like never do music again, because I think we would have missed out on so many generational talents if they had just been told like, yo, you suck. Like don't ever try to make music again because everyone at the starting section is not good. Even if you think you're good, I'm sorry. Like at the beginning, no one is actually really good at it. It's, it's very rare. Maybe like one in a million, one in a trillion, maybe people who who make music for the first time will be good. Like there's always a starting point and there's always an ability to improve. Cause even myself, I listen to things I made three years ago versus what I'm doing today. It's like night and day. And if I, if I hadn't been given the early encouragement by people to keep going, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten the chance to improve. You sound like a great mentor for somebody. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'd say I, <laughs> Are you getting shy? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'd say like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person who's like, a lot of people can reach out to me and I'm always going to support anyone's music because even like sometimes people like don't want to post someone's song that they know because like, oh, yeah. what are people going to think? Oh my God, you're posting this person. Mm. Like to me, it's like, yo, people don't care that much. Like it's up there for 24 hours. The person appreciates your support. And if you like it, you like it. Like there's, there's no point of thinking like, oh, what are other people going to think of me for supporting another person? Like, mm. honestly, no one is going to look at you badly for supporting someone. <laughs> yeah. Cause I do think you have a great positivity and you know, the, your attitude towards people's work and, and sweat and effort is very, very good. Do you have a mentor ever? Yeah. I would say um, I have a lot of mentors. I'm luckily in the music industry. Yeah. Um, when I first started my startup company, one of my mentors was working at EY, but he had, he had been like an award-winning musician in R&B and gospel in the UK before he transitioned over to working at UI, like award-winning. And he would always give me advice on terms of like navigating the industry, um, how to go about improving, how to go about getting feedback and not being discouraged. Um, so I would say that's Christopher Gordon, great guy. So shout out to him for sure. Um, I would say my engineer that I work with is a great person for in terms of like feedback and like nitpicking and he knows mm. that like he's a very blunt person and he knows that I can take it like yeah I grew up with a lot of like tough coaches yes. so there's nothing anyone can really tell me that will get me like ah oh, despair or nothing <laughs> frustrated because yeah I've, I've literally I had I've had coaches who are absolutely ruthless right so once yeah. you can survive those type of experiences I feel like you can take feedback from anyone no matter how harsh it is yeah. and I'm also lucky because there's a lot of people who start music and you get like a lot of negative comments on Instagram mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I maybe, I'll say I probably experienced maybe two negative comments in mm -hmm. all the time I made music, which wow. is like, one of them was, was definitely bad. One of the, the guy was like, yo, I wish I could run into a sword after listening to that so song. I was like, Oh yeah, that's not nice. But funnily enough, he started an app and his app blew up one of my songs. So <laughs> I guess it worked out in the end. Yeah. But, wow. But yeah, wow, I'm lucky that, that I haven't had too much like negative feedback in general, too. So yeah. that's probably helped shape the fact that I'm very positive. Got it. I could imagine a world where if every day all I'm getting is negative feedback, I'd be mm -hmm. a completely different person, right? Yeah. And then wow, that's just very creative to to say hateful words like that. <laughs> yeah. But also, we have to think about like, what is your goal in saying that to a person, yeah. right? Are you trying to make yourself feel better? Or are you trying to critique? Because mm. there's ways to critique and there's ways to like, there's bullying and then there's critiquing, right? And constructive, right. constructive criticism is always welcome. But mm -hmm. if you're not saying anything that has 
a potential to improve somebody, then there's no real. Then it's just hateful. I find speech. there's no real point of saying it. That's right. That yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense. So when you decide to go to、uh, pursue music full time, how did your family or community respond to your choice? I would say I'm still in a place where I'm、uh, like juggling both, like definitely ninety percent of time to music, but whenever I'm needed with the with the company, I'm there.、Um, but I would say like because I've made my music at a high level, it's at a point where like people can see that it's not I'm not someone who is. Maybe I don't know how to say this, but who's gonna fall through the cracks in 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 music? If that makes sense, because like I'm constantly improving, and the people that I'm getting introduced to, the doors that I'm crossing through, it shows that like the trajectory has always been upward. It's never really it hasn't really hit a how do you explain it? It hasn't really nose dived into like a yeah or go yeah. down yeah yeah yeah, yeah. god. And also,、it. I also think the fact that like the type of music I make is not really full of profanity、mm-hmm. and hasn't really. And still reflects upon the type of person I am, makes people more capable of supporting what I do. Versus, like, if I was making a type of music that was like completely negative, that was full of like crazy profanity, that made my family, the people where I come from, listen to it and be like, "Wow, I can't be proud of this person." Like, who is this person I'm listening to? Right. So I always keep that in mind when I'm making a song. Like, yo, my mom is gonna hear this song. You know, I can't, I can't be talking all type of crazy way. And that's a great. That's the thing I love the most is that like. When I do shows, like a sixty-year-old person will come to me and be like, "Oh, I really enjoyed this song." Same way that a fourteen-year-old person can come up to me and like, "Oh, I really enjoyed this song." So, like, that's really the goal to make a music that's still that I can be proud of and I, that can represent the type of person that I am.、Mm. So you mentioned that you you know you're making songs that you always think about. Okay, your parents are gonna listen to it, and then you try to keep it under control in a way, right? But then I have a question to that. It's like. Do you feel that you're fully being yourself? When one hundred percent, yeah. Oh, sorry. I would say one hundred percent because, luckily enough, I've also found this by working with other artists as well. Is that like when people get into like the, oh, I'm gonna do this to you. I'm gonna hurt, in the music and like they're、mm-hmm. it's full of profanity and stuff. More times than not, that's not who they are. It's who they think is cool to the public. So luckily enough, like I have that compass in my head that like yo. Be yourself, you know. Like you're not the type of person who's like, "F you,、uh, I'm gonna do this to you,"、uh, whatever. That's not the type of person that I am. Like, I'm a positive person. I love like music that makes people feel happy. I love melodies, and I love like writing challenges. You know, in high school, my biggest strength was like my writing. I always improved on the writing. I think it's always a challenge to write without being ridiculously explicit, like sorry, ridiculously vulgar. It's more、uh, of a challenge to me from a writing yeah. perspective. Yeah, I find that I find that way more enjoyable to、mm. sit there and like, oh, what is the perfect word that fits this moment? Instead of saying "f you," you know, yeah, like yeah, what is、yeah. the perfect way to phrase this that is really、mm. creative? That is not is not like not necessarily the first thing you would do right away. It's something I have to revise. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So you kind of focus more on the beauty of the language as well, and yeah, and, and that's another thing. I love languages. Yeah.、So. yeah. You already touched upon a little bit, you know. You value the beauty of writing, and so 
how do your identities? You already mentioned that you're Cam- Cameroonian, bilingual, Catholic. You want to serve people.、Um, how do these identities shape the way that you create your music work? I would say the 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 place in which you see my identities the most is in the production of the sounds of the music. So most of the time, I'm blending Afro beats inspired drums. You know, like the the classic, you know, the bongos, the all the all those type of like traditional African sounds with、uh, Latin infused, you know, reggaeton sounds or flamenco or whatever it is. Um, as well as hip hop and R&B, so it's just like picking in from like yo. When I lived in Kenya, this artist. When I, when I lived in Cameroon, when I lived in Senegal, who I listened to, oh, these sounds were present in their music. When I go to Spain, what am I hearing? Oh, I love those drums. I love how they did that.、I、love how the melody was constructed. Adding that, and then the the American influence of hip hop and R&B as well. So all of that gets encapsul- encapsulated mostly probably in the production of the music. And lucky for me, as well, my engineer is the type of person who grew up around the world as well. So he has a similar experience of like the sounds that he grew up around blending into the music. So it was just a natural chemistry that worked out perfectly for me. I've had question. Like, do you guys use、yeah. fusion in in your word of describing your kind of music, or、yeah. you prefer to use blending? Um. Either or, I'll say it's a fusion、mm. between Afro beats and reggaeton、yeah. and R and B. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. the perfect middle. Even right now, we're working on a song, and I was like, "Damn, I'm trying to find a reference track for this song." Yeah. But there really isn't one because it's such a blend of songs.、Mm. It fits right in the middle between dancehall, R and B, reggaeton, and Afro beats, and there's really not many songs like that out there. Yeah.、So. Yeah. You know, I think one of the thing about interviewing you is so easy is because like you kind of just. Connect through that we already go to the next question without you know me emphasizing it. But so my next question is like, what are the some advantage of you, your background, and yourself, you know, in the music industry? You already mentioned that you can do a great fusion of different elements. Is there anything else? I would say like I really learned about this probably through the pandemic because. I was having a big issue, like with writer's block and things to talk about. But I, at the time, I was thinking too much about like writing in English, right? But I, I found through tapping into different languages, I could express different emotions, right? I feel like I don't know if you have the same thing, but when I speak a different language, your personality alters a little bit in in every language you speak because absolutely sometimes, sometimes your comfortability, sometimes just like how the language is flows. Yes. So I found that it's like a unique advantage that like I can draw out different aspects of my personality by changing languages. Yeah. Wait. So give us some examples. How how do you think it's different when you're in English, French, and Spanish? I would say. In Spanish, my natural melodies come out more. For、okay. some reason, I find like the phonetic sounds that are found in Spanish、mm-hmm. lend more naturally to my voice. If that makes、okay. sense, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I sing more loosely and naturally in Spanish.、Mm-hmm. In French, I feel like I tap in more into my introspective, like the introspective aspect of my music. So I feel a lot more like I I feel French is a lot more of a philosophical language. When you go to school in French, it's very much about literature,、yes. philosophers, like、yeah. 
all you're doing is studying that type of thing. So it's it's a very introspective language. Yes. It forces you to like develop a very a perspective of the world for yourself, if that makes sense. So wow. if you notice, if you meet a lot of French people, like they'll be very, um, what's the word? Not argumentative, but they're very expressive and they know. Yeah, like, they the, elaborate <laughs> on their thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. They, they really, they really thought things through to a degree. And I'll say oh. in English, I tap in more into Afro beats and the natural like vibes and, yeah, 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 yeah. and flows that come with, with yeah. um, Afro beats. Yeah. English brings you more of a tempo and beats, but then yeah. Spanish, it flows through easier with your mouth. I'll say melody. Yeah. Melody flows yeah. easily for me in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to dig into your work and listen to differences that, because you have yeah. made different songs with different languages. Yeah. I've, I'll say people are going to hear more of my Spanish songs this year and they'll understand what I'm talking about because okay. I would say I push my melodies to a different level when I'm, when I jumped fully into do, trying that. Yeah. What are the so so name maybe two songs that you would recommend listeners to first dip into your work? Yeah. So I would say Million, um, mm-hmm. which is me and and um, a producer out in Seattle actually, yeah. Lace Cadence, amazing guy who mm. who puts on like artists throughout the world. Like we met a year ago, and like we've developed a relationship whereby he's a mentor to me as well, mm-hmm. and various up and coming artists as well would say the same about him amazing person so i'll say million where you'd probably get exposed to my afrobeat side and um you know again the flow of the drum and the rhythms of afrobeats and then i would say my most recent song that i dropped called no remontada which is my first spanish song that i released and that one is more melody emotion the reggaeton mixed with a little bit of afrobeats but really the typical reggaeton sound you know that blasts out melodic inspirations things like that it was a song that came very naturally to me so i'd say those two i'd I'd recommend the most awesome so we talk about advantages or you know some of the uh cool or strength um that you have in making music are there what are the challenges I would say one of the challenges that people maybe don't think about is when you try to make a sound that is new, people within the industry don't necessarily know where to place you, if that makes sense. So I'd say the music industry has shifted towards a place where it's more playlist driven and playlists are typically going to fit a particular type of sound. So if you make a sound that's like in between those sounds, sometimes it's harder to crack into the major playlist infrastructure, which is something I've found. So like, I'd say it's it's forced me to like maybe use more elements of the common um, sound in in a particular particular genre while still infusing what I do, but like making sure that the elements are still there so that a listener who's used to that genre can still feel like they're listening to the same genre, but like having a new spice added to it. So that's something I've had to overcome is for sure. And I'd also say like initially being speaking so many language. As much as it's a strength, it can be hard for people to understand like what your voice is, you know, what certain people won't always be able to understand your lyrics and um, just find the ability to constantly relate with you if you're so diverse. So that's something Mm -hmm. I've had to overcome for sure. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, one thing's at two sides that one way that you're multilingual and and multicultural, but the other side is like... 
there are only certain groups of listeners might relate to all of your works. Otherwise, some of them might only relate to English or Spanish or French. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I never thought about the, that. Yeah, and the way I found to like try to bridge that gap is just to、uh-huh. improve on like my melodic performance on the songs、yeah. to a degree that people won't even think about what language is in,、mm, in right? Yeah, because I'd say like Bad Bunny was a, a reggaeton artist. He just had the number one album in America on a fully Spanish album, <laughs> you know. And、um, most of the people who listen to his music don't know a word he's saying, but they feel it. They feel every single word. They don't even know what the song is about. So I think that's something that, and someone who I look to to really push what I'm doing and take my music to another level. You know, even in podcasting industries, it's like we're looking for a niche, and then everyone、yeah. kind of. Needs a label for our lives or our identities, but in your life, your work, there is so many intersectionalities, and so it doesn't fit any of the conventional boxes. And then I think that that's also beauty of it. Yeah, I would、mm. say like the way I fit into niches, I realize I really have two niches, which is the、mm. Afro beats and the reggaeton. Yeah, and um, when I make. Individual songs, maybe try to I, I try to stick within the genre on、mm. those songs, but still add the other elements of the other culture from like production standpoint. But yeah, make sure that like song by song, you can feel the particular genre in each song. Yeah, versus yeah. trying to always do too much on one song and do everything on the, on a single song. If that makes、yeah. sense. Do you hope that your listeners will keep an open mind when they listen to your work? A hundred percent. I also think that like I've kind of forced them to from the beginning because I always, I the the different languages. It was from like song two. Yeah.、Like、I was just trying to make sure people know that like, hey,、mm. if you listen to me, I'm someone who's gonna try different things. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. try to see different sounds and like I also feel like my advantage is that like I'm in a generation where the world and like the the world on the internet is so blurred that people. Have access to so much different type of music. I have my friends in Canada. I expose them to French drill, and now they love French drill. They don't listen. They don't speak French, but they love the sounds of that.、Um, you can go to a club here, a, a top forty club in Canada. They'll play Spanish music. So I'm lucky to be in a generation where the line between genre, culture, and all of that is being blurred, and people have become a lot more accepting of it. So I'd say that that that's luck. Yeah. What do you hope to make in the future? Like, are you trying to blend more cultures, more languages? Um, there's there's a side of me that eventually wants to try like Brazilian samba music or something or funk at some、yeah. point. But I also have like a lot of songs I've recorded that just don't fit the type of genres I'm working on now.、Mm-hmm. But like three, four years down the road would fit where I'll be if that makes sense. So there's like different versions of R and B that I want to try. Well, that I've already like recorded, but like I want to expose to the public exp- eventually. But for now, I'm definitely focusing on Afro beats, reggaeton, and really making my a name for myself in that space before I can expose people to the other side of me and the other、yeah. other genres that I'm capable of producing. And also,、yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll I'll use writing for other people as an outlet for some of the things that I can't release myself right now. I look forward to your work. It sounds really exciting. I guess there could be some listeners who are amateur or part-time musicians. Is there any encouragement or constructive feedback that you would like to give to them? A hundred percent. I would say first and foremost, YouTube is your friend. 
you can find out how to do a lot of things um, as a musician today on, on the internet. You can Google like the proper way to record. You can Google how to start producing. You can Google how to create a melody. You can Google all of these things now. Um, and that information is so accessible to you that you shouldn't be afraid to experiment with what you find out on the internet right now today. And secondly, I would say just keep going, to be honest. Like, you're not going to sound great the first time you make a song. But like anything in life, it's about 10,000 hours and constant iteration until you become the artist that you want to be. So I would say, yeah, keep going. And you mentioned before, earlier in this interview, that you said that, you know, you didn't make music as a full-time thing until you really are sure that it can be like a no-risk thing for you would you also say these two to the musicians yeah i would say like it's something that like you can take one or two hours a day you know a time where you would be idle Mm -hmm. to work on music or work on improving improving music Mm -hmm. or even there's ways to work on music without actually being working on music so when you're working out say listening to a particular album because you want to learn how a particular artist approaches songwriting or production so there's ways to Luckily, music is something that we can do while we're doing other things, right? You can be running, listening to music, you can play a sport, you can be, you can be meditating, you can oh, be yeah. doing driving. You do exactly. You can be doing yeah. all types of things where you're like taking information, even even subconsciously, yeah, about how to improve your your mm. creation process. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. It's so cool to see a musician encouraging other musicians, and then it's like I almost felt like your your eyes are full of lights, and then just kind of light up. And before yeah. we talk about your uh, social media, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, I would say first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Like it's been a real blast. Yeah. I love the questions that you asked, and that you're really inquisitive about. You know, my story and generally it means so much to me to have a platform to be able to, you know, express my thoughts and share my music with people as well. So I really, I I really just want to say thank you for that. Thank you. Are you open for other interviews for like going to other shows and all that? How can they reach out to you? A hundred percent. I'm at Mark Amello, M-A-R-C. A-M-E-L-L-O on Instagram mm-hmm. and Mark.Amello on TikTok mm-hmm. and Mark Amello on every major dis- streaming platform. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to me, reach out to me. I'm always, I'll always respond and I'm always happy to talk to anyone. Absolutely. And listeners, I will put all the information that Mark just talked about in the episode notes so you can find the handles over there and then give him a shout out. You know, after you listen to this episode, maybe you learn something. Share with us. Put it on your, your story, on a post, and then tag us. We would love to hear from you. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time.